Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor Study. Today we are going to look at a New Testament exorcism. Do you know that there are 80 references to demons in the New Testament? Lots of demon stories. I mean, do you remember the story where a man has all these demons and Jesus cast the demons out of the man into the pigs and the pigs ran over the cliff? Uh, somebody said, Pastor, what are you preaching on today? I'm going to preach on the day the demons went into the pigs. Well, pastor, what's your sermon title? And the pastor said, Deviled Ham! Ba-dum-bump! Well, today we are going to look at a real exorcism from the New Testament. And I want us to learn all that we can from this text. So if you would, open your Bible to Mark chapter 9, and let's pray. Father, we want to pray, if anybody watching this show is demon-possessed, that you would set them free through the power of Jesus Christ. Lord, we would pray your Holy Spirit would teach each of us how to have more power over the world, the flesh, and the devil, and to serve you more heartily. Speak to us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we get into this exorcism, let's, let me just make some general observation about demons. Number one. Demons are most likely fallen angels. The Bible does talk about these angels who rebelled against God and now God is judging them. I think it's safe to say that those fallen angels are what became the demons. And you know, let me clarify this. Christians, we don't believe in ghosts. Your dead Uncle Harry is in heaven or hell right now. He's not floating on the planet trying to talk to you through a seance. Um, stay away from Ouija boards, tarot cards, seances, and from channelers. Do you know what a channeler is? Sometimes you see this on TV now, on talk shows. They'll have Sylvia on, and Dead Uncle Joe will speak through Sylvia. Well, no. And, you know, people in the audience cry. And, and, and well, I think it's chicanery. I think it's hooey. But sometimes there is a supernatural element to it because there's a demon involved. But it's not dead Uncle Joe. Satan and demons can appear as the dead. But the Bible forbids us to try to talk to the dead. Next thing the Bible says about demons, idols are really demons. Paul the Apostle says that the false gods that the uh, heathen worship, they're really demons. I believe him. I was in Nepal once, the only Hindu kingdom left on earth. I got on the wrong tour bus. And they took us to see the blood sacrifices to the goddess Kali. Kali is this wicked Hindu goddess that you want to keep away from your children. So they cut off the heads of goats and chickens and smear the blood on the idol statue. I mean, Google Kali, K-A-L-I. If that doesn't look like a demon, tell me what it is. But the Apostle Paul says the, the false gods that the heathen worship, behind them are really demons. Next thing the Bible teaches about demons, there is a distinction between demons and disease. 
When I was 12 years old, sitting in confirmation class as a little Lutheran boy, our pastor taught that demons are really epilepsy. And in the New Testament, they didn't have a term for epilepsy, so they, they had no understanding of medicine, so they thought it was demons. Well, he was the pastor I believed him. Until I was 18, and I won't go into the details, but I was in a cabin, and I experienced demonic power. And I came to believe demons are real. The Bible does not equate sickness with demon possession. They're two very different things. The Bible also teaches, next thing, Jesus talked with demons, and they knew who he was. I mean, the reason demon possession can't be epilepsy, how come the epileptics knew that Jesus was the Son of God when nobody else did? Epilepsy doesn't give you that kind of knowledge. Being demon-possessed can give you supernatural knowledge. And the last thing to say about demons, they are cast out in Jesus' name. Years ago, I would, in that twilight zone where you're not awake but you're not asleep, I was having demonic attacks, like this thing was trying to enter me. It was weird, and it, it was happening so much, I made an appointment with a church that had a deliverance ministry, and this pastor stood over me, and he prayed, and he said, Tom, before you go to bed from now on, pray that God will fill you with the Holy Spirit, surround you with the Holy Spirit, or actually, that's the one I added. He said, send, ask God to send angels to watch over you. Do you know, every night now before I go to bed, I pray, God, surround and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Send your angels to watch over me. And I want to tell you, it almost never happens anymore. Now and then, very rarely, it'll happen again. And what I do, in the name of Jesus Christ, go. In the name of Jesus Christ, you must get out of here because you cast demons away from you in Jesus' name. Well, for the rest of the sermon, let's look at an actual exorcism. We're in Mark chapter 9, and let us look at verse 17. And one of the crowd answered Jesus, Teacher, I brought you my son, possessed with a spirit which makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it slams him to the ground, and he foams at the mouth, and he grinds his teeth and stiffens out. I told your disciples to cast it out, but they could not do it. Here's the first lesson. Satan's job is to destroy. Satan's trying to destroy this boy, and that's what Jesus said in John chapter 10. Satan, the, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they might have life. I mean, I can think of a teenage boy that I confirmed when he was 13, and when he got into high school, he got into very serious sin. He was dead by age 21. That is Satan's job. Satan's job is to destroy you. Next verse, verse 19. And Jesus answered them and said, O unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. Here's the next lesson. Lack of faith gives Satan power. The, the apostles had a lack of faith. That kept them from getting the demon out of this boy. And, and it's the, the same is true in Matthew 13, where it says, Jesus did not do many miracles there in Nazareth because of their unbelief. So, in other words, your unbelief gives Satan power in your life. Uh, for instance, <laughs> I've been having back pain. 
I'm a cheap guy. I don't want to spend $5,000 on a doctor if I don't have to. So I called up. I have an appointment this week. There's a pastor, and they have a, you know, it says in James chapter 5, if you're sick, call for the elders of your church. Let them anoint you with, you with oil, and, and the prayer of faith will save the sick man. So instead, before I spend $5,000 on my back, I said, Pastor, would you and an elder anoint me with, and that's going to happen this week. Now, what if you don't believe in any of that stuff? Well, if you won't get the anointing of oil like it tells you to do in James chapter 5, maybe you'll just stay sick. Because this verse is teaching doubt of God's promises will keep Satan and you from getting, keep you from getting victory over Satan. Verse 20. They brought the boy to Jesus. When he saw him, immediately the spirit threw him to a convulsion. Falling to the ground, he began rolling around and foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. It has often thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible to him who believes. Here's the next lesson. Trust God can do all things. Um, Jesus said, what do you mean, if I can heal you? Of course God I, and I can heal you. What do you mean? So, so, but I want you to notice a distinction here. We are to trust that God can do everything. That's different from believing he necessarily will do everything. I mean, uh, not everybody that gets the anointing with oil, according to James chapter 5, gets healed. Some do, some don't. But we've got to believe, God, I know you can do this, and then it's up to you if you do. I get uncomfortable with people who demand somebody be healed in Jesus' name. It's called name it, claim it, Christianity, and you have to get out of that wheelchair because I declare, eh, no. I mean, Elisha raised people from the dead in the Old Testament. It says in the Old Testament, now when Elisha became ill of the illness of which he was to die, God wanted to take him home. So through an illness, God took him home. Now, and, and then in, in Timothy, Paul says, Timothy, take a little wine for the sake of your frequent stomach ailments. He doesn't say, name it and claim it, Timothy, where's your faith? He says, take your medicine. So, I mean, God often can heal people, but sometimes he saves his healing for heaven, and he takes people home. I mean, I was uh, praying for this man who was uh, named Harold who was dying, and at his deathbed I said, I prayed for a miracle. Lord, according to your will, heal him and give him more years. But Lord, if, you're, if it's your will to take him home, take him home. So we do believe God can do everything. That doesn't mean he necessarily will do whatever we ask him. I mean, I remember here was a woman who I think was in one of these churches where name it and claim it, and I know God's going to heal me. She was crippled up in her hospital bed, dying, and she says to me, I just know the Lord's going to heal me, and in a couple of days she was dead. I call that denial. Um, look at verse 24. Immediately the boy's father cried out and said, I do believe, help my unbelief. Here's the next lesson. When you're doubting, pray for faith. I mean, even the strongest Christian on earth has doubts. 
when you're getting doubts, you know, faith is not something you can work up in yourself. Faith is a gift from God. So when you sense your faith is, is sinking, you cry out, God, I do believe. Help my unbelief. God, give me the gift of faith. Strengthen my faith. So when you're doubting, pray that God will strengthen your faith. But there is one thing you can do to strengthen your faith. Romans uh, chapter 10 says, faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. So do you want to know how to build your faith? Read the Word of God. Listen to good biblical sermons. On my iPhone here, I've got the Bible.is app. And when I can't sleep at night, I push it and they read the Bible to me. It's a freebie, Bible.is. But the more you hear the Word of God, the more your faith will be strengthened. Verse 25. <clears throat> when Jesus saw that a crowd was rapidly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you deaf and mute spirit, I command you, come out of him and do not enter him again. And crying out and throwing him into terrible convulsions, it came out. And the boy became so much like a corpse that most of them said, he is dead. Here's the next lesson. Satan can still do damage. Notice, Jesus is the one casting the demon out of this boy, but Satan still does some damage in convulsions. It says in Ephesians 6, we do not rush, wrestle with flesh and blood, that means with humans, but against the principalities, against the powers. We're wrestling with demons and Satan in this life. You know, if the problem in the Middle Ages is that they saw demons everywhere, the problem in our age, we don't see demons anywhere. And I think the Middle Ages was closer to the truth. And, you know, Martin Luther wrote the great hymn, And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we shall not fear, for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. But Luther and the medieval Christians believe that this world is filled with devils. And it is, according to the New Testament. Um, now, I... I don't want you to think, though, that Satan can do something to you if you're a child of God. But Satan can if you open a door. Here's the pastor of a big church. It's a good biblical church. It was discovered that he was having an affair for years with the secretary. So he lost his job. He lost his wife. Well, he married the secretary. And I heard a while ago, now they're divorced. But look at this. Here's a Christian man, I think. But he opens the door to the devil. And so Satan comes in and wrecks his life. Satan has no power over a Christian unless you open a door and give him power. Verse 27. But Jesus took the boy by the hand and raised him up, and he got up. Here's the best lesson of the whole story. Jesus heals Satan's damage. This boy was a mess, now he's whole. We interviewed a woman for this TV show by the name of Janet Boynes. If you could have seen the pictures of her from years ago, she looked like a man, she was a lesbian. Her Christian family took her into their home, loved her, and you should see her now. She's a beautiful Christian woman. She's helping people out of lesbianism. But Satan can d damage people, but hallelujah, Jesus can undo Satan's damage in your life. Uh, you know what I think of? David Berkowitz. Do you remember David Berkowitz, the son of Sam Murderer, who in 1977, he was, he was raised Jewish, but then he got into Satan worship, and he claimed his dog was telling him to kill people. So he's, he's a mass murderer. He's in prison. One day in 1987, 
Ricky Lopez shared the gospel with this fellow prisoner in prison. And David Berkowitz says, you don't know who I am, do you? I'm David Berkowitz. Well, the man said, Jesus died for all sins. If you come to him, there's forgiveness and salvation. David Berkowitz has become a born-again Christian in prison. He's the assistant to the chaplain in this New York prison. And he's not trying to use his conversion to get out of jail. In fact, he says, I deserve to stay here. And he says, and there's lots of work for me to do in here. <laughs> there's an example of how God can take someone totally messed up and restore what Satan took away. Verse 28, when Jesus came into the house, his disciples questioned him privately, why could we not drive the demon out? And Jesus said to them, this kind cannot come out by anything but prayer. Here's the last lesson. Prayer is essential to victory over Satan. Make sure you have a good prayer life. The main thing that will give you victory over the devil in your life, that you're praying every day. You're praying a lot to the Lord. And I, I just want to close this part of our show with, with this. Many years ago in seminary, I took a course in demonology. And they brought in a Christian exorcist to talk to us seminarians about what he does. And he said, my wife and I have this little chihuahua that we don't allow in the living room. Now and then, the dog will come out of the kitchen into the living room. And so I take my foot and I boot it back in to the kitchen. And he says, my wife and I don't go, oh, hallelujah, we got the dog out. Because it's this little chihuahua, I just kick it back in. And he says, when I do exorcisms, we don't say, hallelujah, we got the demon out. God is huge. Demons are tiny. And, and what I want you to, I don't want you to come away from this program thinking you should be afraid of demons and the devil. God is huge. Jesus is huge. The devil's tiny. You only get problems when you open a door to the devil. But shut those doors and let Jesus make you whole and you'll be safe. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, as long as we're talking about demons and things, um, I guess if a person thinks they have a demon, where do they go to get help? Mm -hmm. Now that could be a hard question. I think most churches don't have what they call deliverance ministry. But if you look at the, the ministry of Jesus on earth, he was casting demons out rather frequently. So it, it, is, a, it is a work that the church is called to. And uh, there are churches that you have to hunt them down, but I guess you'd call a church, and, or at the very least, every church should have a pastor and some elders who can pray over people. And that's the place to start, start in your own church. You know. But there are churches that do have what's called deliverance ministries where the people specifically cast demons out. Yeah. Okay, so is it... There's a difference between disease and being demon-possessed, Indeed though, right? there is. Indeed there is, yes. So, um, and we, did we say that demons come from hell, or they come from the devil? You know, or? Uh, let's talk about hell. Hell is where uh, unbelievers, Satan, and the demons will be at the end of time. But right now it says Satan goes to and fro about the earth, seeking whom he will to devour. So Satan's not in hell yet. I don't think the demons are in hell yet. And uh, 
there is talk in the New Testament about the fallen angels being kept under um, under judgment until the day of the great judgment. So that that's going on. But you know, demons are on earth. That's why they can possess people because they're not locked down in hell. They're on earth right now. Okay. Well, <coughs> what causes a person to become demon possessed? Yeah, I took a course in this long ago, and what I remember the professor saying was occult involvement. So stay away, th of course, from things like Satan worship, Ouija boards, seances, channelers, the New Age movement. Uh, 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 stay away from the occult stuff. Stay away from astrology. <coughs> and also he said, sometimes very grievous sin can open a door for a demon. Uh, but uh, uh, the occult often can be the place they enter. Um. So can a Christian have a demon? You know, now this is different. I, I remember hearing uh, one of these uh, deliverance ministers say, the only people I'll cast demons out of are Christians. Because if they're not a Christian, the demons are going to come back worse. But that might be, I don't know, that sounds strange to me. Because if Jesus is your Lord, you can't have a demon be your Lord. But, you know, I'll say this, though. I don't know that Christians can be possessed but I know from personal experience, a, deem, a, a Christian can be oppressed by the devil. And like I said, in the, the, uh, I've, I've had to have people pray over me because of stuff that was attacking me. So I know Christians can be oppressed by the de demons. He can't be possessed and totally controlled, though, because then they wouldn't be a Christian. Well, if a person's mentally ill, is that possibly demon-possessed? Probably overwhelmingly no. However, Jackie, is it possible that some of the things that we think are mental illness are really demonically inspired? I think that's possible. Again, I'm not saying by any means mental illness is demon possession, but, you know, I, I have been around a, a, a situation or two where I wondered, is something more than just mental illness behind what's going on here? Is it something that, you know, people just use to maybe not deal with the fact that they do have a mental illness, mm -hmm. is to say that it must be a demon? That's yeah, and, and you know, we don't want to condemn people and tell people that have schizophrenia that's a demon. You know, we're not saying that. But again, sometimes you, you meet a situation that is so weird you wonder, is this simply mental illness? Okay. Yeah. How do you know if you do have a demon? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think we could turn the tables here and say, every time you do something wrong, you could say, oh, it's that demon that no. made me yeah. do it. Yeah, you don't want to do that. But again, what I would say, are you having weird supernatural things happen to you? Do you sometimes have uh, demonic supernatural knowledge? Are, you know, I, when I read the New Testament, the demons were convulsing people. They knew Jesus was, was the Son of God when nobody else did. So th those might be some signs. Okay, but you brought up about Jesus was casting demons out during the time period that he was ministering mm -hmm. in that. Um, demon possession was everywhere in that time, right? Yeah. Why don't we see more of that in today's age? You will have missionaries tell you that you see it more in the third world. Why don't we see it more in America? Well, two things might be going on. Number one, maybe it's there and we just don't see it because we don't even think in those terms. 
And maybe another reason is when Jesus was on earth, Satan went crazy because here's the Son of God and he knew that he, Jesus came to undo his work. So some scholars have said the reason the demonic activity was so strong during Jesus' time was because Satan was acting, all, doing all that he could to destroy the work of the Son of God. There may be some truth to that. I, t I, I still believe, though, Jackie, there's lots of demon stuff going on in America that, I mean, with all the hardcore pornography on computers for little children to access, I think that is from hell. There is more demonic activity going on than we, we are giving it credit. So are you saying that when Christ was on earth, at that point, that there were more demons because of the fact that yeah. the demons the, knew he was the Christ? Yeah, some, some scholars would say the reason you saw so many, much demonic activity was because the demons were trembling because of Christ and Satan was trying to stop things. Again, I, I'm only saying maybe to that. I, I'm, I'm more of the mind that there's just as much de ac demon activity today as back then, but we don't notice it because okay. we're so blind in our sin. Okay, and maybe maybe we over-medicate ourselves and sometimes, mm -hmm. too, that we don't realize what <laughs> yeah. we really have. Too. Right, that's good. So I guess what is the gift that's called the discerning of spirits. Does yep. that have anything to do with knowing? I think so. It, it, Paul talks about the 19 gifts of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, interpretation, healing, prophecy, teaching, uh, giving, all these gifts. One of them is called the discernment of spirits, which means you can spot something. You can tell the difference between a good spirit, maybe an angel, and an evil spirit, a demon. And that's a special gift. Sometimes some of these deliverance ministers can just kind of, by this special gift, know what's going on in the person's life and what needs to be cast out. But not everybody has that no. gift because we don't no. all get that. Right. So everybody has a different gift of the Holy Spirit. So if you don't have discernment between it and you're suffering in that, mm -hmm. what do you recommend that, a person? That, that's when you try to seek out a deliverance ministry where these people can pray over you. Yeah, and the way you find that, I, spo I suppose you call around to some of the bigger churches in town and say, do you know anybody that has a deliverance ministry? Because there aren't many of them out there. Okay, so Tom, if there aren't many of them out there and a person suspects it, is there something a person can do themselves? I mean, are, is there a... Well, I mean, I, if I feel demonically attacked, I will say in the name of Jesus Christ, get out of here. I think we can all do that. Okay. Uh, but I... In the New Testament, Jesus and the apostles are, are casting demons out, and, and I think that's kind of the norm is to get some, someone to do that with you or for you. So we can't do it on our own. I'm not willing to say that. I think, you know, can you cast demons out of yourself? I'm not so sure you can't. Okay. You know, we, as Christians, we have the power of Christ, and so to say, in the name of Jesus Christ, if there's any demons within me, in the name of Jesus, I cast you out of me and away from me forever. I think you can do that. Thanks for being with us. We pray that God would be with you this week, granting you his richest blessings until we're together again next time. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org or write the Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always.